with heights to the depths of the sea. So, verse 8, it says, In the 38th year of Azariah, king of Judah, Zechariah, the son of Jeroboam, reigned over Israel in Samaria six months, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord, as his fathers had done. He did not depart from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who had made Israel to sin. Every creature's unique in the song that it sings, all exclaiming, indescribable, uncontainable. You place the stars in the sky and you know them by name. You are amazing, God. All powerful, untamable, all struck with. Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. The reign of Zechariah of Israel was both short and wicked, and he continued in the state-sponsored idolatry that was started by Jeroboam. Then Shalem, son of Jabesh, conspired against him and struck and killed him in front of all the people. Zechariah was so despised by his own people that Shalem was able to do this. This was the end of the dynasty of Yehu, which began with such potential but ended, as God had foretold, in great darkness. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he continues our study in chapter 15 in the book of 2 Kings invented by skillful men to be on the towers and the corners to shoot arrows and large stones but here it is so his fame spread far and wide for he was marvelously helped by the lord till or marvelously helped till he became strong so here we get a glimpse of why god struck him because god was helping him and making him famous but then it went to his head And it's very easy for that to happen. Uzziah became strong and powerful and very famous. His army became large. He invented instruments of war for the towers and the temple mount, but he was lifted up in pride. What does Proverbs tell us? This is one we know very well. Proverbs 16, verse 18, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And what does Proverbs 6 tell us, beginning in verse 16? These six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. And he lists some, but the first one is a proud look. A proud look. God hates pride. And that's exactly what Azariah or Uzziah, that's what his fault was. And it gets even worse than this, because that alone is enough for God to respond to him. But again, 2 Kings 15 here doesn't give us the full reason, but in 2 Chronicles 26, it gives us an even greater reason why God struck him and how he did it and why he did it. 2 Chronicles 26, beginning in verse 16. Let me read it to you. But when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. For he transgressed against the Lord his God by entering the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. Now, who is the only person that's allowed to go into the temple and offer sacrifices or incense? What tribe is it that's only allowed to do that? Levi, and specifically Aaron's sons of Levi. There is no king of Judah who is supposed to go in and take that role upon himself. 
And so there is where he's, and, and then in verse 17 it says, So Azariah, um, the priest, went after him, and with him were eighty priests of the Lord, valiant men, and they withstood King Uzziah and said to him, It is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, but for the priests, the sons of Aaron, who are consecrated to burn incense. Get out of the sanctuary, for you have trespassed. You shall have no honor from the Lord your God. And think about this. These guys respected this man, but he went in and did something that he was not supposed to do, ever. He deserved death for this. But he was so lifted up in his pride. Hey, I'm really hot stuff. I got everything happening for me. And you know what? The flesh is never satisfied. It wants to do what the holy men are doing. It's not, it's not content on just you know being a military man and making all these exploits. No, they want a piece of the priesthood too because they see the reverence that the people had of the priests. They're like, I want that too. I want that too. I want to be revered in this way and that way. And I want to be, it's all about me. And then the, you can just, the flesh is, it's like a horrible, ugly thing. And, that's, and then the priests are like, you better get out of here right now. And they were furious. And they brought 80 men with him. They were going to carry this man, the king, out of there if necessary. And notice what happened. Verse 19, then Uzziah became furious, and he had a censer in his hand to burn incense, and while he was angry with the priests, leprosy broke out on his forehead before the priests in the house of the Lord, beside the incense altar. And Azariah, the chief priest, and all the priests looked at him, and there on his forehead he was leprous. And so they thrust him out of that place. Indeed, he also hurried to get out because the Lord had struck him. I mean, think about that. It happened quickly. In an instant, it just broke out all over him, and he's freaking out. The priests are going, I don't even want to touch this guy. Let's get the cattle prod or something, and, or you know, lasso him or something. And, and Uzziah sees this happening, and he's realizing his error. He wants to get out of there too because he knows that God had struck him. Yes, God struck him. It tells us that. God did it. We don't like to hear that, do we? That God struck someone. But only the priests. In Numbers 3 verse 10, it tells us that. So you shall appoint Aaron and his sons, and they shall attend to their priesthood. But the outsider who comes near shall be put to death. No one but Aaron and his sons. And the only king of Judah that was justified in serving as king, priest, and prophet was Jesus. And I would encourage you to make a little note off the side of your Bible, Hebrews chapter 7, because it talks about Jesus being our high priest and offering himself as a high priest would do. He was not only a king, he was not only a prophet, but he was also a priest. He was the only one who fulfilled those things, but no other king. But Jeroboam, you remember the very first Jeroboam? He did the same thing, remember, in 1 Kings chapter 13? There was a moment where Jeroboam, um, the first king in Israel, he played the role as priest as well and was rebuked by a man of God from Judah who had approached him. And Jeroboam, if you remember, he created those two altars, one in Bethel and then one up north in Dan, those golden calves that they had on the altar. And the man of God from Judah came and says, it is not right for you to offer 
uh, burnt offerings and incense and all these things on those altars. And Jeroboam reached out his hand and pointed at him and says, kill this man, take this man away. And as he did so, he couldn't pull his arm back. <laughs> There's a problem here. God just froze his ligaments and now he's walking around like this. He'd make a great pointer setter. You know, he just, he's, his hand is always going like that. Tell us where to go, Jeroboam, right over there. You know, so, and he has God, uh, you know, he has the man of God pray for him. And God is gracious and heals Jeroboam, this idolatrous man who never recovered. Can you see the grace of God in that too? I like to point out great the grace of God in every area of the scripture because it's so important to see the grace of God. If I was God, I'd say, you're going to look awfully funny trying to put your clothes on in the morning. You know, your arm is out like that and you can't bring it in. I'm going to let you stay like that for a couple years just because it looks funny. See, I would do that. But God's like, I think I got the point across. Who's in control here? <laughs> Who's in power here? And of course, it is Almighty God. At the end of verse 5, it says that, back in our text now, it says that Jotham, the king's son now, um, you know, after his dad was struck and he was put in an isolated house, they, because they, they isolated these people because leprosy was, they didn't know a lot about it. It was probably pretty contagious, so they wanted to isolate them. So his son Jotham is going to be like a king, a regent alongside of him, uh, attending to those things while his dad is, is, is put away in the isolation house. Verse 6, it says, Now the rest of the acts of Azariah and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Judah? Well, yes, they are. We just read it, didn't we? We just read it. Second Chronicles 26. We read some passages. That we just read it. So yes, it is. So verse 7, So Azariah, or Uzziah, he rested with his fathers, meaning he died, and they buried him with his fathers in the city of David, and then Jotham, his son, reigned in his place. Now, again, this is another uh, small point, but it's worth looking at. In Second Chronicles 26, toward the end, in verse 22, there's a little bit more information about his death and how his death, uh, where he was buried and how it came about. It says in Second Chronicles 26, verse 22, it says, Now the rest of the acts of Uzziah, from first to last, the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, wrote. So Uzziah rested with his fathers, and notice, they buried him with his fathers in the field of burial which belonged to the kings. So he wasn't even buried in the same place with all of his forefathers. There was a different place, and they did this because he was a leper. And that's what they said. He is a leper. He's not going to be buried with the king's in honor. He's going to be buried in a different place uh, in, this, in the general area. And then it says that Jotham, his son, reigned in his place. And so it was during the reign of Azariah that Isaiah, who was a contemporary at that time, he began to prophesy and began to warn Judah and Jerusalem for her idolatry. And Israel, the northern ten tribes, whenever I say Israel from now on, just understand that that's the northern ten. And then Judah or Jerusalem is always the lower two, okay, in the southern kingdom. Because otherwise you might think it's, you know, all of, all of Israel, but it's not. And so uh, the northern ten tribes, uh, they were about to uh, go into captivity by the Assyrians. And because Judah and Jerusalem, they weren't listening either. They weren't watching what was happening to 
their sister up there in the north. So God sent them a prophet to warn and exhort them. And God has always used prophets to warn his people before he brings judgment. Because if the people hear through the prophet and they repent, then judgment can be abated. But if they won't listen, then the hammer's going to fall. And see, God cares, doesn't he? You know, that's an area that people don't understand, is that God is, because he's a God of love, he also has to be a God of vengeance. Because as God is a God of love, that means he hates everything that's opposed to his love. And that's rebellion, that's sin, he hates it. And just as awesome as his love is, so intensely is also his hatred for sin and rebellion. And see, you and I are in this wonderful place because the wrath of God has already been taken out on his son. We no longer have to be, uh, we will never see the wrath of God because he took that punishment out on his son in our place. And all we got to do is put our faith in him. That's a pretty sweet deal. Wouldn't you agree? In Isaiah chapter 1, notice what it says. The vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, and Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. And if you also look at Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah wrote uh, Isaiah chapter 6 uh, in the year that King Uzziah died. In Isaiah 6, Isaiah sees this vision of the throne room of God, and God sends Isaiah to now warn Judah and Jerusalem. So the first five chapters of Isaiah are him warning Judah and Jerusalem. You guys are falling into the same stuff that the northern ten tribes did. They're about ready to get taken away to captivity, and you're doing the same thing. I'm warning you, Isaiah, go tell them. Are you willing? I'm here. I'm going to do it. And he goes. In those first five chapters is God just laying out his indictment against Israel and also encouraging them about future restoration. But they have to turn. And so finally, Isaiah gets his commission in chapter 6. And he's like, I'll go. And God says, you go, but they're not going to listen to you. They're going to see, but they're not going to really see. They're going to hear, but they're not really going to listen, Isaiah. But you go because they must be held accountable. And I want you to tell them the truth. Because they know that their northern neighbors are about ready to fall. And they are not too close behind if they're not careful. Go warn them. Go tell them. And that's what that's all about. That's what it's all about. So, verse 8, it says, In the 38th year of Azariah, king of Judah, Zechariah, the son of Jeroboam, reigned over Israel in Samaria six months, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord, as his fathers had done. He did not depart from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who had made Israel to sin. Now, verse 9, you're going to find is a very familiar refrain of the kings of Israel. You can almost copy and paste. I almost wonder, you know, if the, if the scribes had a, a copy and paste function in their word processor, you know, God would say, yeah, remember what happened in verse 9? Same thing with these guys. Okay, he's copy and paste, you know. <laughs> they did evil in the sight of the Lord as their fathers had done. They didn't depart from the sin, just like Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel to sin. Same thing, same familiar chorus. And then notice verse 10. Then Shalom, the son of Jabesh, conspired against him, and struck and killed him in front of the people, and he reigned in his place. Now the rest of the acts of Zechariah, indeed, they are written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel. Do we have that book in our Bible? 
the chronicles of the kings of Israel? We don't have it, do we? We don't. We have the book of the chronicles of the kings of Judah. That's First and Second Chronicles, but we don't have the other one. But this was the word of the Lord that he spoke to Yehu. Verse 12. I had you star this verse for a reason. So this was the word of the Lord which he spake to Yehu, saying, Your son shall sit on your throne of Israel to the fourth generation. And so it was. Now, when did God say this to Yehu? Now, remember, this, this king, Zechariah, he was, of the, he was the, a, a king of Israel. And he was also of the dynasty of Yehu. So when did God speak to Yehu and tell him this? You might even have it in the margin of your Bible, 2 Kings chapter 10, verse 29 through 31. Let me read it to you. However, it says, Yehu did not turn away from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel to sin. That is, from the golden calves that were at Bethel and Dan. And then in verse 30 it says, And the Lord said to Yehu, Because you have done well in doing what was right in my sight, and have done to the house of Ahab all that was in my heart, your sons... Notice, God is saying, because you, did, you didn't do everything right, and we find out that, that out later, and we already looked at that, you did some things right, and because of that, I'm going to reward you. I'm going to allow your sons, your grandson, your great-grandson, to sit on the throne until the fourth generation. That's what he says. And it comes to pass, and we're reading it right now. But notice, in verse 31 of of uh, 2 Kings 10 there. He says, But Yehu took no heed to walk in the law of God, the, law, the Lord God of Israel with all of his heart, for he did not depart from the sins of Jeroboam. And that's a really sad commentary, isn't it? When we just won't, we won't listen. But this was the fulfillment, this verse that we looked at back in our text now, back in verse 12, when this was the word of the Lord which he spoke to Yehu, saying, Your son shall sit on the throne to the fourth generation, and so it was. Um, on the screen, I've got this, uh, this diagram, and, and this is uh, an excerpt from one of these sheets that I have on the back counter there. But you can see on the left side, there is this uh, dynasty, uh, the fifth dynasty, right here on the, on the left-hand side. And Yehu was the, the father of it. And then he, he had a son, Jehoahaz, and then Jehoash, and then Jeroboam too, and then finally Zechariah. And that was the very last, Zechariah was the very last one of the fifth dynasty. So dynasties, the way they work, just in case you don't know, because it's not something we really talk about, a dynasty, it goes from a son, or from a father to a son, and then his son, and then his son. And, and that's a dynasty. It, 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 it's, 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 the succession is from, kit, from that line. But whenever that line is broken and then somebody else comes in and usurps the throne, then the dynasty is broken. And then whoever that usurper is, he has a son. And if his son sits on the throne, then that sets up a new dynasty. Follow me? And so there were nine such dynasties in Israel. But in the kingdom of Judah, there was only one dynasty because they were all succession of David, one dynasty, but in Israel. So this was the fulfillment of what the Lord had said to Yehu. Zechariah would end Yehu's dynasty, which was the fifth dynasty, as you see on the screen. And that ended in 752 B.C. And so verse 13, it says, Shalom, the son of Jabesh. Now there's going to start a new dynasty in Israel. The son of Jabesh, we don't know who he is, just some guy 
became king in the 39th year of Uzziah, king of Judah, and he reigned a full month in Samaria. Wow, only one month. And Shalom's reign was the sixth dynasty, as we can see in the uh, next slide. And it's there, you can see it highlighted there. The sixth dynasty. And it would start and end with him. And then in verse 14 it says, For Menahem, the son of Gadai, went up from Tirzah, came to Samaria, and struck Shalom, the son of Jabesh, in Samaria, and killed him, and reigned in his place. And so his dynasty ends because he didn't have any kids to sit on the throne. And so his reign was over, his dynasty ended. But this place called Tirzah is, uh, is a place right to the... Uh, it, it's right in this area, like if you were looking at a map of Israel on the uh, west side of the Jordan, Tirzah used to be the capital of Israel back before it became Samaria. Uh, when Jeroboam started uh, his reign from the very beginning, his home was in Tirzah. But then after that, and not long after that, the capital changed to Samaria, which is really due west of Tirzah. And so just to kind of give you an idea of where that was. And so now the rest of the acts of Shalom and the conspiracy which he led, indeed, they are written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel. And then from Tirzah, Menahem attacked Tipsah, all who were there and its territory, because they did not surrender. Therefore he attacked it, and all the women there, or who were there with child, he ripped open. So a very brutal uh, man. And then in verse 17, it says, In the 39th year of Azariah, king of Judah, Menahem, the son of Gadai, became king over Israel, and he reigned 10 years in Samaria. And so he starts what we know as the seventh dynasty in the northern kingdom, and his dynasty would last through Pekahiah, his son, and Menahem's reign lasted from 752 to 742 B.C., uh, a period of 10 years, very short time in relationship to some of the kings of Judah. And then in verse 18, it goes on, and notice what it says, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord. And again, cut and paste. <laughs> he did not depart all of his days from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who had made Israel to sin. And then in verse 19, I had you circle that earlier, because here we're going to see just a little foreshadowing of what God is going to do. He's going to bring this king from Assyria, and the writing is starting to be written on the wall. So Pul, king of Assyria, came against the land, and Menahem gave Pul a thousand talents of silver that his, right, or that his hand might be with him to strengthen and, uh, the kingdom under his control. Now this Pul, his name, uh, he's really, this is Tiglath-Pileser III uh, from Assyria, the king of Assyria. So this is just another name for him, okay? So when you see Pol, um, that's what it means. And so in verse 29, remember I had you circle that verse too, because it talks about Tiglath-Pileser III. He comes against Pekah, who was the eighth dynasty in Israel. And so the writing is on the wall. The, 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 the temperature is getting hotter. Israel's getting ready. It's very ripe to fall. And then in verse 20, And Menahem exacted the money from Israel, and from all the very wealthy, from each man 50 shekels of silver, to give to the king of Assyria. Notice, so the king of Assyria turned back and did not stay there in the land. So they paid him off, is really what they did.
That's the end of our lesson for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 2 Kings. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office you can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.